And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Welcome to part five of our series on mood swingers, where we've been taking a look at some of the different emotions that we uh, we feel, we experience in our lives, and, and looking at what the Bible has to say to help us kind of navigate through that, through those emotions in a healthy way. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be looking at an emotion that, uh, that many people refer to as the common cold of emotions. The common cold of emotions. We're going to be looking at today uh, the emotion, the feeling of depression. And uh, depression itself Uh, Over 280 million people in the world um, have to deal with with this depression. It's the leading cause of disability in the United States. It's the second most common uh, health problem in the world. And a new study that just came out that's kind of interesting is it shows that um, through COVID, that depression in the United States has tripled from what it was before because of the pandemic. And uh, here's what I believe. Um, I believe that if we're going to be a church that God has called to be a light in a dark place, then we've got to talk about some topics. We've got to talk about some issues that matter in people's lives. Amen. And uh, so today we're going to we're going to kind of lean into this feeling of of depression a little bit. And uh, it's important to me. Uh, before I get going into today's message, that, that you know that you are listening to a man who has walked through depression himself, uh, somebody that has benefited from uh, counseling, benefited from medication, and so I fully support uh, those approaches to treatment. Um, however, You and I are triune beings, which means that we are made up of three parts, a body, soul, and a spirit. And the reality is, is that we can do a lot of things to kind of help us navigate our emotions. But if we keep God out of that process, then we're removing the very one that has the power, the ability to bring healing in all of those areas of our life. And so today, as we talk a little bit about depression, it's important to me that you know that I'm not standing up here and I'm not, I'm not presenting that over the next 35 minutes or so that this is going to be the fix. Like wherever you are on that, on that journey of, of feelings and, and depression, I am not standing up here suggesting that uh, if you do everything that we talk about today, then you're good. Um, what I do believe is that, that God can do some supernatural things in our lives, but the majority of our life is this kind of process that we call around here, this transformational process. And so what I believe today um, are some things that have helped me in my own journey, and I believe that they can be a catalyst to help you to begin to navigate and to begin to move in the right direction, um, that direction towards healing and wholeness in your life. And so if you got your Bibles, uh, pull those out or your smartphone. Uh, we're going to be in first Kings today. Uh, but before we jump into scripture, let's, uh, let's pray our prayer together and ask, uh, just the Lord's blessing over our time today. Say this out loud with me, father, as I open your word today, speak to me, may I have ears to hear a heart to receive and the courage to respond in Jesus name. Amen. So in 2000, uh, 2009, 
in my own life, my own journey, um, it was probably one of the darkest seasons of my life. I'm not going to share all of the details that, that kind of surround what got me to that place, but, but I felt like as a person, as, as, um, as a man, as a father, as a husband, um, as a pastor, I was in ministry at that time, um, as a follower of Christ, I felt like really a complete failure. Um, if you've ever experienced depressive feelings before, what that typically does is that you get this these kind of feelings of, of failure, and then they feed into um, this reaction of just kind of constantly beating up on yourself for feeling like a failure, right? And so we get into this kind of vicious cycle that I experience in my own life of I feel like a failure, I beat myself up because I feel like a failure, which causes me to feel more like a failure, right? And it's th- just this vicious cycle that, that, that kind of happens in our life. And for me, um, in that season of my life, what I began to do because of just the shame, the stigma that's tied to depression, which I think, um, I thank God that we're beginning to get to a place um, as a society where we can actually begin to talk about it. It's not, it's not kind of looked at as a weakness like it used to be back in the day. And I think that's kind of why um, the body of Christ, I think that's why the church oftentimes would shy away from talking about that um, because the perception was um, that depression was a, a character issue. Um, but the reality is, is depression is a chemical issue, not a character issue. And, um, and so in my life, I just, I was kind of experienced, I was kind of in that vicious cycle. I began to, to withdraw, began to isolate myself from the people that cared the most um, about me. And it, and it really felt like, for me, it felt like um, my world, it was almost like, um, almost like a fog started moving in right? And the fog just started to, to surround me to where I had difficulty being able to really have a true sense of what reality was in my life. And, and it zapped me of, of all of my energy. It, it really robbed me of, of the passion and the zeal of life. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's similar to your journey. I don't know that Maybe today you, you've, maybe you today you're kind of like me, you've, you've been there before and you've, you've found victory. Maybe today you're kind of in the beginning stages of that. Maybe you're right in the middle of it today. But what I have learned in my life is that depression really is a hope stealer, that it begins to rob us of the hope that we have in life. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 um, kind of helps us see that. It tells us that hope deferred, that it's going to make the heart sick. Like when we have this hope, this desire in life, and it just feels like that gets fall, it gets clouded, you know, we can't see it. It doesn't look like it's ever, we, we don't look, feel like we're ever going to find victory and kind of get out of this fog in our life that the Bible says that it could actually make us sick. And this is a dark, it's a miserable place to be in because what it does is it begins to pull us further and further away from the Lord. It begins to cloud our ability to be able to see God's activity in our life. It begins to kind of cause us to, to struggle with being able to discern God's voice and what he's saying to us. And, 
And I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not in Scripture, but the Bible's full of people that, that had to deal with depression in their life. I mean, it's full of people, people that we would look at as champions of the faith that, that behind the scenes at some point in their life, they had to walk through and struggle with depression. And so today, what I want to do is I want us to look at 1 Kings. We're going to be looking at chapter 18 and 19. And I want us to look at uh, a guy by the name of Elijah. And um, what I find really interesting about Elijah's season of depression in his life is that it got so bad for him that he even wanted to take his life. And so we see in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, we see that this man named Elijah is, I mean, this guy is an anointed man of God. This is a guy who has seen uh, miracle after miracle in his life. This is somebody that God has even used to, to raise somebody from the dead. Like anybody been so anointed lately? You've been raising people from the dead. I mean, this, <laughs> this guy was anointed, um, anointed of God. And uh, his path ends up crossing with a couple wicked people, King Ahab and uh, Queen Jezebel. These guys, these two were so evil that you don't hear anybody nowadays naming their babies like Ahab and Jezebel, right? Like when's the last time you heard that? I mean, these guys were, were wicked and these, these two were misleading the Israelite people and induce, uh, introducing them to this kind of wicked, perverted worship of a lowercase God named Baal. And so Elijah, Elijah ends up kind of drawing the short straw from God, and God challenges him to, to, to challenge Ahab and Jezebel and all of these prophets of Baal in an effort to save the people of Israel. And, and I, I mentioned this, you know, a few weeks ago that it's just, isn't it interesting um, that God's chosen people, that God continues to show up in their life and they continue to screw it up? right? They continue, like it don't matter how supernatural of a work God does in their lives, they continue to find themselves right back into doing life their way, making their own choices and getting themselves in all kinds of trouble. And here we are again with the people of Israel doing the same thing. And so we see in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, look what it says. It says, then Elijah stood in front of them and said, he's talking about, you know, these, the people of Israel. And he says this, he says, how much longer will you waver? How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? And maybe that's a question that, that the Lord is asking you today in your journey. Like how much, how much longer will you waver? How much longer will you continue to straddle the fence of a little bit of God, a little bit of the way that you want to go? And, and Elijah is just, is just kind of speaking to these Israelites saying, how much longer are you going to live your life that way? And he says, if the Lord is God, then follow him, right? Like if he's God, follow him. If he's not God, if Baal is God, then follow him. And it says here that the people were completely silent. And so Elijah steps up his game a little bit and he throws down like this ultimate challenge, um, the challenge of all challenges, the 450 prophets of Baal. And here's what he does. He says, listen, let's, let's do this. Let's, I'll call on my God and you call on your God and let's see which one sends fire from heaven and consumes the sacrifice on the altar. And who, whosoever God does that, like that God is gonna win, 
Okay, and so the, the, the prophets, they accept the challenge and, and they, the prophets end up spending all morning um, crying out to Bell and dancing around and kind of doing their little thing, hoping that Bell would respond and nothing happens. Now, Elijah, you're going to see here in just a second, like I consider Elijah to be really kind of a man's man and, and I want to show you why I, I think that because this is pretty funny. Look in verse 27, and this is Elijah's response. It says, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. So they're out here just kind of doing their thing, right? Like, like uh, trying to get Baal to, 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 to consume, send fire from heaven. And Elijah steps in and just starts kind of poking fun at him a little bit. And he's like, hey guys, maybe, maybe, maybe you should try shouting a little louder because maybe your God can't quite hear you, right? And then he's like, for surely he is a God. And then, oh, oh, perhaps your God is just daydreaming a little bit. Or look at that, or relieving himself. Like maybe he had to step out and use the restroom and that's why he's not listening to you right now. Or maybe he's... Maybe he's away on a trip, like he's, he's on that one of those seven-day cruises, and he's got no service in the ocean, and so he just can't, he just can't hear what's going on, and, or maybe he's asleep, taking a nap, and just needs you to kind of wake him up a little bit. I mean, Elijah is a man's man, like that's like, that's totally legit right there, and so so he's kind of taunting him a little bit. And then Elijah steps up and he kind of makes some adjustments in the altar and he invites all the Israelites to, to come forward. And Elijah prays this like really simple prayer, but like, boom, it happens. Like God sends fire from heaven and it consumes the sacrifice on the altar. And look what the Bible says in verse 39. It says, when all of the people saw it, which you can imagine what that had to be like, that they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And then Elijah kind of finishes that by taking the prophets down and just killing them all. Like, like man's man. I mean, can, but can you imagine what Elijah had to be feeling like in that moment, like this major, like he kind of taunts the prophets and God shows up when, when he prays for, for him to show up and, and then all the prophets kind of get, got, kind of get wiped out. I mean, I can see like, like Elijah, like I can see him just kind of sticking his shoulders back a little bit, like, right. There's like a little, little kind of pep in his step as he's kind of moving around. God's showing up, doing some, some amazing things. And then, and then all of a sudden he discovers that evil Queen Jezebel finds out. And look what she does in verse, uh, in chapter 19, verse two. It says, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. And this next verse shows us how much this one response from Jezebel wrecks Elijah. It says in verse 3 that he was afraid and he fled for his life. I mean, here's a man that had just come off of this ma major like kind of victory of how God has showed up in an amazing way in his life. And then all of a sudden, a letter from Queen Jezebel wrecks everything that he's feeling in the moment. I mean, this man 
a greatly anointed man of God. It says that he runs all the way to Beersheba, which was considered in those days the end of civilization because everything past Beersheba was just dry desert. And so what he does is he, 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 he goes to Beersheba, Elijah withdraws, he isolates himself, he says goodbye to his servant, and he begins this day journey through the desert all by himself. And I want to ask you a question this morning, like what's your Beersheba? Like we've all got them in our life. Our Beershebas are the, the things that when we get stressed, when we get um, worried, when the anxious thoughts are, are, are building and it's just kind of stirring, it's that place that we go to kind of withdraw from the moment. Like for some of us, it could be alcohol. For some of us, it could be drugs. For some of us, it could be, you know, pornography or something else. For some of us, like in the Christian world, it's that like highly acceptable uh, thing called food, right? <laughs> we've all got it. We've all got, we've all got this Beersheba, this place that we retreat to, that we go to when when things seem to be kind of pushing up against us. And what we see here is that at some point along this isolated journey that Elijah is walking on now, it says in verse four through five that he sits down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he would die. Like a man of God, like anointed, like God is, I, I mean, I've not seen anybody recently call down fire from heaven, right? And here this, I mean, God is showing up in a supernatural way in this guy's life. And then all of a sudden, the next day, he's kind of doubting, he's fearful, he's running to the point that he says that, I wish that I would die. He says here that I've had enough. He says, take my life, God, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And in verse five, scripture says that then he ended up laying down and he slept under the broom tree. I'm not sure about you, but I can, as somebody who has walked through depression before, I can hear the heartache in the words that we read. Like I can, I can remember the moments in my own life when I felt like I'd had enough. I remember the moments in my life where was, I had enough with people and what they're saying. I had enough with all the expectations that are, that are around me. I've just had enough. And in and, and moments in, in my life when I'm on the mountaintop one day and then the next day I'm questioning God and fearful for what's next. And maybe you've been there before too in your own life. Maybe you can relate a little bit. You see, over the next few verses, what we see is God begins to lay out these four steps that he was going to use to encourage Elijah to take. Again, not to fix his situation, but to give him a jump start towards his recovery. And my hope is today that maybe they'll help you along your journey as well. So the first one that I want to share with you that we see in scripture is that God challenged Elijah to get refreshed to get refreshed. And we see in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5 through 8, it says that then he lay down and slept under the broom tree, but, he was, um, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones, probably the first um, angel bread, you know, the first, first uh, yeah, 
angel cake and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. And so he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. Think about that for a moment because that's easy to kind of read over. But the, the couple meals that he received from the Lord sustained him through the 40-day journey. And it just kind of makes me, it kind of makes me think a little bit about how important it is for us when we're walking through um, depression and those, those feelings in our lives to, to really get refreshed, to, to when you think about it, like, like to take some time for some self-care, right? Like um, fatigue, what I've learned, fatigue for me, it feeds depression, like the, t- the more tired I am, the more connected it gets to my emotions, and it's easier for me to, to get down on myself. And so, um, you know, we often look over that self-help, that self-care part of eating right and getting some good sleep. And I'm not talking about four or five hours. I'm talking about some good, um, some good sleep. Like some of you, maybe the first step for you after today is to go get you a good old three-hour Sunday afternoon nap. Amen? Anybody? Everybody's feeling depressed now. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) You see, for Elijah, he had gotten so busy with everybody else's needs that he was neglecting his own. And whether we realize it or not, our body, our soul, our spirit, that they're all connected. And they're connected in such a way that when one is down, the rest of us feels it. And so getting some rest and, and some food, it helped Elijah And I believe it'll help us too. The second one is this, is that we need a place to be able to talk about our feelings. So not only get refreshed, but we need a place to be able to talk about our feelings. And verses nine through 10 says, uh, there he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God almighty. Now look, now look, you can kind of, you can kind of see where his kind of feelings and heart is in the moment. I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. You know, I wonder... Maybe the reason why God is asking Elijah, why are you here? Maybe he's asking that question because he wants to create a safe place for Elijah to be able to to vent some of his feelings. You see, God has created our feelings. We talked about this several weeks ago. They're kind of like smoke alarms in our life that that when our feelings, when they start kind of generating, it's the smoke alarm that's going off. It's saying something is off in our life. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or good, but just something is out of balance in our life. And God knows that those feelings in our life, if they're left unexpressed, that they can end up poisoning us emotionally and spiritually. Now, here's what I find really interesting and encouraging to me is that if you notice in that passage that we read that God never condemns Elijah for feeling what he's feeling. Like he never looks at Elijah and never says, you're supposed to be a man of God. You're one of my prophets. 
You should not be feeling like, you know, that word should not, like you should not be feeling that way. But no, instead, what God does is God points Elijah to himself. So there's this place for him to be able to vent the feelings that he has. And listen, friend, if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with the emotions that that oftentimes cloud our view of what true reality really is, we need people in our lives that we can talk to, not people that are going to pick up our our offense and pat us on the back because we feel that way and, and, and stir the emotion, but people that are going to, are going to listen and people that are going to point us towards God. And that leads me to the third one. The third thing is we've got to position ourselves to hear from God. So not only get refreshed in our life and not only, um, not only be able to, to vent, to be able to share our feelings, but we've also got to position ourselves to hear from God. In First uh, Kings 19, in uh, verse 11, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, I think in our lives when we struggle with depression, it's, it's almost like we've got this kind of wall, this, this wall that's in front of us. And it hinders our ability to be able to see God's activity and to hear his voice on the other side in our lives. As I've shared already, that he gives us this kind of false sense of reality. And for Elijah, he, he thinks he's the only one left. He thinks he's the only one that's living for God and doing God's will in his life when in fact everyone on the mountain that day declared their belief in God. You see, what God was trying to help Elijah see is that Elijah wasn't the only one left. Elijah was the only one who left. And sometimes in our life, we're going through difficulty and our emotions are running wild. It clouds our ability to see what true reality is. And we begin to isolate ourselves and we begin to, to put ourselves in positions and areas where we struggle to be able to hear God's voice. And when we struggle with depression, when we gravitate towards those dark and quiet caves in our lives, the only way that we're going to find freedom is to position ourselves in a place where we can hear God's voice. You know, as well as I know, that oftentimes when you're dealing with that, church or small groups is the hardest place to be. But oftentimes it's the most important place to be. To find yourself circled around friends, people that are on a similar journey as you that will help point you towards the cross. People that will help that God will use to be a voice in your life to help you hear what God is saying. 
And that leads to the fourth thing that we see God do with Elijah. And he encourages him to start living a missional life again. To start living on mission again. God tells Elijah in verse 15 to go back the same way that you came and to travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And as Elijah begins to do that, you can continue to read and how the story unfolds, but God has him anoint and, and other relationships that are built and developed. But, but I think what we see here is that now that he's been refreshed, now that he's had a chance to be able to get the feelings out, now that he's had a chance to hear God's voice, that it's time for him to get back on mission again. You see, Elijah had a choice. He could choose inaction and spend the rest of his life in the fog of depression, or he could choose action and start living missionally again and making a difference in the lives of others. Friend, I know it's not easy. It's not easy to get yourself out of bed. It's not easy to put the bottle down. It's not easy to to push those things away and to step outside of the cave. But the reality is, is that God has designed each and every one of us to find our true fulfillment. The Bible says complete joy as we are living a missional life. In John 15, um, Jesus is talking to the disciple and he's he's talking about um, the vine and the branches, that he's the vine and we're the branches. And he's talking about us producing much fruit. And, And he ends up saying towards the end of that chapter that it's there, that it's in producing much fruit that you will experience full and complete joy in your life. There was this famous psychiatrist, his name was Carl Menninger, and he was once asked by a newspaper reporter, he said, suppose you recognize that you are headed towards a nervous breakdown, what would you do? Now, most people would assume that he would say, go see a doctor or something like that, but this is what he said. He said, the first thing I would do is I would go to my front door, I would turn the knob, I would cross the street, and I would find somebody that needs me. You see, he recognized something that day. He recognized that there is great significance in us living our lives, not about ourselves, but making an impact and a difference in the lives of others. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs eleven twenty five that a generous person is going to prosper. That's a person that's not about themselves, but it's about others, that that person is going to prosper. And it says, whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. So sometimes in our life, when we're going through difficulty, darkness, when we're in the cave of depression, We've got to allow ourselves some self-care to get refreshed. We've got to have people on our inner circle that, that will allow us to vent and point us to Christ. We've got to position ourselves in an environment where we can hear from God. But then lastly, we can't spend the rest of our life in inaction. We've got to start making an impact and a difference in the lives of others and what God says through his word 
is that as we step out to begin to make an impact in others and to refresh others, that in that, we too will get refreshed. Would you bow your head with me today? Close your eyes. Friend, I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know where you are with the feelings and what you're walking through now, but what I do know is that the beginning of any kind of healing is a spiritual healing. That we'll never find complete and total healing from our emotions or from depression or anything else that seems to kind of wreak havoc in our lives until we've got the spiritual part where it needs to be. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have and you've drifted away and today it was everything you could do to get here, but you still, you, you still feel so distant and far from God. I want to invite you into this journey of really surrendering all of you to all of Him and allow Him to begin the spiritual healing in your life today. And so if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or do anything crazy, but right there where you are, I want to pray for you. If you would just kind of slip up your hand and just keep it up for a second and put it back down. If you're like, Ryan, I need to get, I need to get right with God. I love him, but I've drifted away. I've, I've drifted away and I need to get that right with God. Yeah. that's you today if you've raised your hand pray with this pray this with me Father forgive me for I've sinned I've fallen short I've drifted away from you but today I recognize that you need to be my Lord and Savior so today I surrender my heart to you, complete and totally. Come live inside of me, change me into the person that you want me to be. Give me the strength to be able to live the life that you've designed me to live. Father, I love you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you that after the service today, where our prayer team is going to be up here and they would love the opportunity to connect with you and to pray. You've taken a huge step, but the step doesn't stop there. Make sure you get connected. Make sure you let us know that you've prayed that prayer so we can come alongside of you and help you in the next steps of following God. Today, I want to pray also for those of you that might be dealing with depression. Or maybe you know somebody that's walking through depression. Can we pray together for that today? Father, Lord, we know that our emotions are something that you've given us. They are a, a blessing. But that, Lord, sometimes we walk through some seasons, some darkness in our life, and these emotions can begin to lead us in, in directions and paths that we don't want to go and Father, I pray that, God, right now, that if there's anybody that's here today that's, 
that's struggling in this area. Lord, we don't ignore the treatment that, that you place before us with counseling or medication, but we definitely don't want to ignore your Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that right now, Lord, that, that whoever those are, whether they're here, whether they're watching online, God, that your Holy Spirit in this moment would just wrap your arms around them. That, God, there would be a sense of them knowing today that they're not all by themselves, that they're not on an island all alone, but that, Father, you are there, and that, God, you are leading them back into a place of health and wholeness again. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, that you have given us steps to take in your word. Father, we pray, God, that you would continue to do the work in our lives, that we might experience your true freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.